This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 18th, episode 2936, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. Hey, you made it to Wednesday. Only three days left till a weekend full of horsey fun. Lucky for you, you have Jamie and Glenn to get you through on Horses Horses in the the morning. Morning. So, are we going to talk at all about... Half horse, half man, with beer in hand, he strolls the infield vest. He's bold, he rocks, he's hot to trot for girls with beautiful hair. It's Kegasus. Kegasus. I do an interview with Todd Pletcher, (laughs) and you lose it. Yet you can still find that. <laughs> the worst advertising campaign in the history of advertising campaigns. I admit that it's bad, but I like annoying you with it. That is, um, for those who don't know, that is a thing that the Preakness did to promote the Preakness for years. They, for years. And that is Kegasis. And Kegasis was a centaur who drank a lot and like, chased what? women with very little clothes around in the infield. That's <laughs> right. There was so much politically wrong with that whole campaign. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I do like annoying you with the song. <laughs> we had I, this whole plan of what we were going to come out and talk about, Glenn. What happened to that? Move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. I have one day a year I can play that annoying you. One day. And yeah, it took me I'm a while here. to find it, actually. I'm not here Friday. But it's shocking that you. I do this phenomenal 15-minute interview with Todd Pletcher, and you're like... <laughs> I lost it. I lost the audio, but I do have this from probably, 15 years I probably ago. still have the audio stuck in a computer from 15 years ago. So, Hey, I did a post in the auditor room this morning, and I just wrote, I own a ridiculous amount of, because I thought all of the answers would be horsey. It's in our auditor room, right? So, mm-hmm. I, you know, horse people, that's all they think and do. So I thought it would all be horsey. Well, most of it's horsey. You wanna, auditor you wanna... room being the super secret Facebook page for people that are Patreons of our podcast. And did you want to hear some of them? Yes, I do, okay. of course. So carriages is one. You can guess who posted that one. There oh. was a resounding number of people who put coffee cups <laughs> That's because you can get such cute phrases on it. I know. And they mean something. <laughs> when we moved this time, we got rid of about 25 coffee cups because yeah. we had collected a lot of coffee cups. Remember, people, <laughs> hold it in your two hands and say, Does it bring me joy? Right. And if it does, keep it. And if it doesn't, <laughs> see ya. So there goes the coffee cups. Saddle pads were probably the number one answer. And I think that's as a result of you encouraging people to buy saddle pads you know, over the past I, 12 years. I this is all like your fault. To, this one I would like to say I used to be a saddle pad hoarder. And then I got down to like four that I like. And I'm back up to like 100. <laughs> because everybody needs their own color. And then I really like good saddle pads. And some get the color. And it's not like a quality enough saddle pad. So then I have to get a quality saddle pad of that color. And then I have two of that color. Because one's like, ah, I don't use it very often. And then you're going to have to get After like a while, they change ones. color. <laughs> yeah. And then they start to fade. And you have to use another one. Or they get like super dirty. Or the dog lays on it. And you can't get the dog hair off of it. Or the cat hair off of it. So you need to get another one. Because you can't be riding around with hair on your saddle pad. I can keep going another popular way. one you just mentioned before the show actually was breeches mm-hmm. uh, and I, I wait a minute let me read what she says because i know you're gonna have a comment breeches that don't quite fit <laughs> so there you go i i read one i think it was carly who said because she's constantly on the search for the perfect breech yes the perfect pair. let me tell you guys something i got a hot tip okay if you go to fager f-a-g-e-r Google Fager Equestrian. It's FagerBitsUSA.com. Never heard of it. I found at Land Rover the perfect pair of pants, the perfect breech, okay? And the one I got is the Fager Louis Active Leggings Green 
I got them in the color green and they're full grip. Okay. So they have like the little silicone around the butt, like full mm-hmm. seats. The little silicone pieces are little horses. <laughs> well, and that made it better. Stand horses. Yeah. And it's, it's the softest material. It was awesome. Now they're a little spendy, but I bought one pair. Are these you were complaining about before the show that didn't fit or they were size 36 and they didn't fit? Well, I read it and it was like, I was like, it says that they're 38s. And I was like, good Lord. Did you I, I don't remember <laughs> being a 38. And then I went on the website and I'm like, that's European. Because uh, okay. I was like, they're tight at 38. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's European 26. That's why they're tight. Yeah. Well, they are making all clothing smaller nowadays. I just really love the material. They're so soft and they're cute. Anyway, I, I'm Here's really our... excited to get Emily's pants in because she's sending some out too. So I'm going to try those out as well. Like a clothing tip of the day, a bonus for today. I And I know there's a Land Rover code like L-R-K-Y-3-D-E-22 or something, there's going to be a code that's 20% off, but I can't find the flyer. (laughs) Uh, um, uh, Several people said polo wraps. Uh, Jennifer had polo wrap thing for a while. Um, Uh Then you realize how annoying they are to put in the dryer. (laughs) Yes, yes. Mismatched bell boots. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> See, I never, never throw a bell boot away because you might need to throw it on. So like when you find one because they've ripped another one off, you put another one on, you have two different color bell boots on, but at least they're bell boots. I get it. I get it. A lot of people have a lot of halters, apparently. Halters is another one that's big. Mm-hmm. And bits. Bits is Chantel said bits, and I'm going to throw Chantel under the bus. She has so many bits because she worked for a tech business for 20 years. So yeah. she just kept collecting bits. And she said, I have dozens of bits and I use two. I have a bit box as well, because it is just one of those things. You never sell a bit. Never. You might need it. The second you sell it, you're going to be like, "Mm, I wish I would have had that. But yeah, I used to. There was a lot of tack, uh, a lot of shoes. There were some shoes. One one person said feed buckets. I always think they're going to be useful, but they're just beat up, dirty, bent, roughed up relics. (laughs) A lot of boots, a lot of boots. Uh, the handles are broken on so many of my buckets and I just can't throw them away because the bucket's still good. Julia says goats. I don't know how many goats she has. We have to find that out. How many goats do you have, Julia? We we need to know how many goats. One person did say bunnies. Was that you? That is not me, but I still have two. And <laughs> one said. is the one that April, our listener, gave me is so sweet. And then there's the second one that I got that looks exactly like who is the devil. <laughs> So, by the way, I speaking of the dang bunnies, I was in the barn the other day and I was like, oh my God, the devil bunny is hopping through the barn. What? He somehow, oh, he's like Zeus of bunnies. He opened his cage, <laughs> left, exited, and went out of the whole entire thing. Devil Hashtag bunny. damn it, devil bunny. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Sarah says orchids. Now, we used to live beside Sarah, and uh, she has 150 orchids. Like the flowers? Yes. Oh. Uh, a lot of orchids. I mean, a okay. lot of orchids. And I said, you need professional help. And she said, at least it's not drugs or horses. When did you live beside I don't even know. In the what last house, we were beside her. Yep. Oh, okay. So we used to ride with her and stuff. Um, and she gave us orchids as a housewarming gift. So we have two. She has 150. <laughs> so, and another, per, uh, riding pants and, oh, one person did say debt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? I think that's probably, if everybody was honest, that would have been the answer right it there. It goes along with all the riding pants and settle packs. <laughs> yes, and exactly. And, and orchids. In our Daily Dose Horse Health Report, we talked to Elaine Blickle about things we can do around the farm to help with climate resilience. Henny is here from horseyhooves.com, and she's going to explain the four horse personality types and traits, and I have a study show, all on today's show. But first, we have to do some Daily Winnies. (laughs) Guess what? No birthdays. That's correct. There were no auditor birthdays. I was shocked. It's a very rare event. And there's one auditor whose birthday is today, and they're so mad at you right now. (laughs) Well, if I'm not a friend on Facebook, I don't know when your birthday is. So, Daily Winnie, I do have one today, and it goes to Kim and Barbara. Jennifer went to the boarding stable over the weekend. Our boarding stable is named Phil's Farm. And it's also a little campground. It has like 10 sites, and people bring their horses there, and they camp, and they go riding in the trails 
And she was there and she went over and talked to these people who had a horse trailer like we're looking at. And they were auditors of ours. So Kim and Barbara, Jennifer was very happy to meet you over the weekend. They got to meet Scooter and Nigel. And she said she loved your super fancy Arabian pony. So there you go. That was my daily Winnie. Who's Arabian pony? Kim and Barbara's Arabian pony. Oh, gotcha. I was like, do I have one of those? (laughs) That's what I collect too much of horses. Actually, uh, I've got a couple daily Winnie's. Um, One is, oh gosh, do you remember the drama the other day? It was Wednesday. I think it was in the post show where I had a a sit-in co-host appear out of nowhere. And he was about the size of a Roomba, a spider, huge monster that was sitting on my (laughs) modem. And I couldn't move because he was staring at me, sharpening his fangs. And I had to remove said spider tarantula from my desk and I couldn't squish him because he was on my modem and he would have gone in down into the electronic part. So anyway, I was able to safely scoop him with my hat into an empty cleanup box, Kleenex box, which I then launched outside the door. And at some point later on, I found the Kleenex box and it was empty. So sad spider tarantula is gone. However, April, our sweet listener, She's like, you need help Uh, because Chad's not always around. And sometimes I have to do stuff by myself, big girl stuff. And so she sent me what's called a bugzooka. Okay. It's a bugzooka. And I think that the tarantula population here in Oklahoma learned that I do a free catch and release program because I picked up, not me, I made Lucas pick up four more today. I told Chad we're burning the house down. That's it. (laughs) Because my pest control was supposed to come yesterday. It's like all the creatures were like, come on in, you guys. They missed their pest control appointment. Uh, So she sent me a bug zubka. And what it is, it's this like pressure thing. And it looks like a giant bazooka. But you push the end and then you hit a trigger and it sucks the bug And it's like three, four feet long, so you don't have to get too close. And it sucks the bug into this little, like, canister where then you can walk outside and you can push the bug out and set it free. So (laughs) I don't have to squish anything and hear them crunch and be all gross. And so, anyway, I just wanted to say thank you to April for sending me the Bugzooka. What it says on the... um, on the box. I love this. Okay. It's ideal for a home RV boat cabin or garden. Keep your distance. You can get them off of high ceilings in tight places under cabinets. And then the section says, kids love it. Catch study and learn fun. I'm pretty sure there's a translation <laughs> issue here somewhere, but study and learn fun. So Lucas went out and studied and learned fun uh, with the, uh, Ginormous. Uh, they're actually wolf spiders, apparently, I was told, but they're pretty yeah, much. Some wolf spiders get really big. They're the size of my beetle car. Okay. <laughs> they're ginormous. I don't know how to even fit in this thing, but it sucks them in. It's really cool. And uh, yeah, there's no way it'd be sucking in some of the pimento bugs we get in our house. They're oh my bigger God. than cockroaches. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, it was awesome. So I just want to say thank you. You can check See, it out in, on In Amazon. our yard, you could take it out there and empty it right in front of the little lizards that are all over the yard, and they would have lunch. Ooh, I'll take him down to my chickens next. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be gone in no time. Speaking That's of what I have, hey, a then you're amount just of. helping feed the. It's a natural order of things. Exactly, I think it's it's great. Um, also, I did something yesterday which was really heartbreaking for me, and I just want to share. First of all, um, I delivered Pink, my pregnant mare, to a foaling center operation where they're going to fold her out potentially because I'm going to be out of town this weekend. I have to go see my dad in Atlanta and I didn't want to leave Chad to deliver a foal <laughs> because <Probably a> smart <laughs> move. she's probably going to retain her placenta and it's going to be a big mess. So I took her, but I also had to take Julie, my mare. Um, this is the mare who was, I bought and she's rearing and flipping over and, and was going to hurt somebody. And uh, instead of go down the road of a million dollars in x-rays, I pretty much knew exactly what she had and why. And so she was rearing up and flipping over backwards and was going to hurt somebody. So I ended up finding her a job as a recip mare. So she is going to go to the recip facility. So I took pink and, and her together. 
And they took Pink away to like the foaling barn and all that where she's all pampered and all this stuff. But then they took Julie away to go do, they had to do like a repro exam on her. And so I'm with Pink and they took Julie away and I was like, where is she? I gotta go. And so I go, go into the barn and she's getting a reproductive exam. And they were like, okay, she's, she's good. We'll, we'll take her. And, and it's like professional veterinarian, big, you know, tough, burly doctor guy with like six other veterinarians around. And it's like, a, I mean, this is like a big repro center called Royal Vista. And it I started sound like a nudist colony in Florida. Royal Vista. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, they said, we'll take her. And I started sobbing <laughs> like, <laughs> like in front of professional, like, you know, I, I was that girl like in the barn and and they all were like, she's going to have a good life. She's going to be in a field with like 20 or, you know, like, they were like, look at that. Look outside. <laughs> Did you it's say amazing? It's not you. It's me. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Pretty much. I'm like, I know she'll be fine. I just love her so much. And she's sedated. So I'm like smooching her face. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't so flipping funny. over trying to kill you. <laughs> no, because she, she's, that's the weird thing. She's super sweet on the ground, like the sweetest horse in the world. And for her to be having these behaviors it was very apparent that she was having some pain issues and anyway i know i did the right thing but oh my god i came home and chad's like how'd it go and i was like i don't want to talk about it <laughs> and he's like you did you. it good you did you did the right thing and i was like oh no what it's uh <laughs> and then I, I actually came home at like noon and fell asleep i had to take a nap i was like wiped out from crying on a 45 minute drive home anyway it's really tough but um I, I know she's in the right place and the good news is pink is going to be attended to much better than she would be attended to if chad was having to <laughs> deliver the full god talk about divorce yeah, oh my, yeah like, that would I'm be fun. i mean he had to save your life over the weekend and then this you know i know so, yeah, i know yeah. like how much can one human <laughs> There were a lot of comments, by the way, about sweet potato fries. There were a lot of comments. Oh. If you missed Monday, go back and listen to Monday. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. Hey, yeah, you want uh, to play a guessing a game? Friend, a friend listened to that yeah? and was listening to it. And she was listening to it in the office and the boss heard it. And the boss was like, is she okay? Did she die? <laughs> and and my, my friend was like, she's the one talking. <laughs> She didn't die. She's the one talking. She's, she's clearly, she lived. You're not allowed to die. We already determined that. Uh, I know. So, yeah. Neither one of us could go anywhere. Making my rib hurt making me laugh. <laughs> Neither one of us could go anywhere. We need therapy. So, uh, all right. So, studies show. This is the thing we do once a month where I look through Google and I say, study show. And I look through the news for the past month and see what we wasted our money on collectively in the past month. And I have some. I have some. Do I get to guess them this time? Yeah, you want to guess? Okay, here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. And everybody likes guessing at home, apparently. I've heard that. So <clears throat> there was a study, a customer study that they do every year about airlines and which is the customer favorite. Any okay. guess on which airline? Um, obviously, American Airlines is the customer favorite. It has the best service and the most handsome pilots. It might have the most handsome pilots. It did not win in the <laughs> That is not surprising to me. How many times I've been on a flight, I'm like, that's it. I'm never flying this airline again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I have to. Uh, so you you can probably guess it wins every year. Oh, it's got to be Southwest. Yep, every year. I think it's won every year for the last 20, since it started, basically. Um, I was on Delta over the weekend, and I noticed what one thing about, I haven't been on Delta in 40 years. I mean, a long time. One thing about Delta is there was more legroom than any Southwest plane. Um, it depends on where you, oh, definitely Southwest planes. Those are all the exact same, 737s, oh, all they're the exact tight. same. I mean, I can barely fit my legs. These and I had cram as many in. But yeah, it depends on where you sit. Most airplanes, the, the closer to the front you sit, the more leg room you have. The further back you get, they're like, just pack them in. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, another study said gene therapy may relieve pain from, and this is good for horse people. It's the reason they picked it out. I think I saw this one, and it's arthritis. Nope, spinal cord injury. Oh, and how many uh, how many how many riders do we know that have had spinal cord injuries? So, yeah, gene therapy may relieve pain from spinal cord injuries, and we've all had back problems. And it there's nothing worse. Well, than that's back not problems. a stupid study show. That's, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm gonna throw the good ones in too. <laughs> um, now this one's stupid because we already knew the answer. About a thousand times we've gone over this one in the times we've been doing study show. New studies show that blank helps your mind and body. 
Okay, hold on. It's Something that helps your mind and body. Why would you immediately think I would go there? <laughs> That's weird. Um, I mean, we've done it a hundred times. I'm going to give you a hint. Sex, but I would. Is it coffee? Coffee or wine? Uh, coffee's in this study show, not in this one. <laughs> of course, coffee's in every month. Exercise helps your mind and body. We studied that like it Duh. was new. Hmm. Why yeah. would somebody be like, you know what? I need a grant. Yeah. I've got <laughs> this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> we have never proven this before. Uh, new studies show that housing prices are... On the rise. Yep, they're still going up. You know, there's. I read a couple articles that in certain places, but not many, they're still going up. And they're still going up around here in Ocala, that's for sure. Studies show that blank are more important than genetics for a long life. Something is more important than genetics for a long life. A healthy lifestyle? Close. Relationships. So you and I have to just keep doing this show forever because uh, you're my only friend. So we have to to keep doing this forever. (laughs) Now that relationships, if you're, if you have a lot of good friends and you're good friends, uh, that that's more important than genetics for living longer. I can uh, see that because that'd probably make you happier too. How unless... on earth did they do this study? I don't they know. Just I, to I don't the read way. the studies. Here's what happens: <laughs> is you talk to a person who made it over. They're like, "Happy birthday! You're a hundred. What's the secret to a long life?" And they're like, "I smoke and drink whiskey yeah, every day." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the real secret to a long life. New studies show why plant-based meat alternatives are not selling well. You, you didn't let me fill into the blank. No, you, just you have told to. Me. No, new studies show that they're not selling well. Why aren't they selling well? The studies um, show why. Oh, the study shows what? Why they're not selling well is yeah. that um, people are horrible and would rather eat dead animals. <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. It's multiple choice. I'll give you a multiple choice. Two things: taste or mouthfeel. It's got to be something stupid like mouthfeel. You wouldn't make that up. No, it is texture. Texture is why. They said it's not even taste, it's texture. And they said even vegetarians can't handle the texture. So apparently they have to work on the texture of You know, the the problem is, for me, is that these new Impossible Burgers and Mm -hmm. all these other burgers, they're too real. Like like, To me, I'm like, I feel like I'm eating meat. I don't want to eat meat. And I read this article and it said the meat lovers think they're not real at all, that they don't. It's it's not enough, you know. The texture's wrong, so that's what I think the problem is. It's coming from both sides, you, your side and then the other side, and that's why they haven't taken off. Like, apparently, when Burger King came out with their Impossible Burger, the sales of Impossible Burgers went up greatly, but it's dropped off to below where it was before Burger King came out. So, well, look, can yeah. I just complain about Burger King real quick? Oh. Because for those who are vegetarians, who've been a vegetarian for a long time. Burger King cooks their Impossible Burgers oh, the same right next to their yeah. their regular burgers. And as somebody who hasn't had meat in 35 years, that will turn you inside out. You will throw up in 90 minutes. Like, I, it's, it's, I can't do it. You just have a little separate grill or something for that. They will not do it. And I, so I drove up one day and I was like, hi, I'd like to order the veggie burger. Because they used to have just one that would microwave. And you had just <laughs> had to eat it really quick because it would turn to a hockey puck if you didn't. So I used to just like you get it and like as you're driving away, you're eating it, right? So like I get that. And they were like, we don't have those anymore. We now have the Impossible Burger. And I was like, okay, well, I would like one of those, but I would like it not cooked with the other ones. Oh, we don't do that. Like, so basically you've removed the actual thing the vegetarians can eat, thinking the vegetarians will eat something else, but you can't eat that either because it's cooked with the other things. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, the 17-year-old said yes. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much what I got from, from yeah. Yeah. Studies show that, now this is one, I've seen a hundred of these studies, and why we're doing them, I don't know. I could give them the answer. Anybody could give them the answer. Studies show people forced to go back to the office are? They're going to the office in their pajamas. (laughs) They're just not happy. (laughs) Oh, that's shocking. I gotta go back to work? So, yeah, uh, they're not happy. And and I just read another thing that studies show that only 17% of people that work in Manhattan are working at the office now. So apparently not a lot, not all the companies are making them go back full time. Last one. And of course it involves coffee. 
because we have to have a coffee study every single month. Studies show that coffee, and you don't have to guess this, I'll just go over it with you. Studies show that coffee has four benefits to your health. Now, over the 12 years that we've been doing this, we think it has about 150 benefits to your health, or it's going to kill you. It's one of the It's going to kill you, yeah. yeah. But what they found in this study is coffee can act as an antidepressant. Coffee reduces the risk of type 2 diabetes, unless you put 12 pounds of sugar in it, I Right? Guess. <laughs> Coffee lowers the risk of developing Parkinson's Parkinson's disease. Let me guess the last one. Yeah. Makes you poop. <laughs> Don't do that what they did. <laughs> no. It's not in here. It should be, but it's not in here. Uh, coffee reduces the risk of certain cancers. Now, it causes cancers, we've read in other studies, but, you know, these certain cancers, it, it'll help prevent. The so. study was brought to you by Folgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Every month there's a coffee study. Every single month. And there was no there was no booze in this one. I didn't have any alcohol ones. There's always an alcohol. I didn't look hard enough. I should have looked harder. There's always an alcohol see, one. If you type in experts say, <laughs> that's my <laughs> my favorite. Oh gosh, you gotta go through ten pages on Google about COVID. Oh yeah, that's the problem. The other thing is I don't do COVID in the studies, and I had to go through about fifty pages to find the non-COVID studies. Let's do. Let's talk about something that we all know about, and that's StatelineTech.com. If you go to Stateline right now, they have an entire page of new stuff. Right on the homepage, you're going to find new arrivals from carrots. By the way, carrots, I think, are the tights and breeches that everybody likes. <laughs> that seems to be universal. Um, they also have a bunch of new stuff about for fly season, and I know all of you even in the north now are starting to get flies. But we have a lot of Western listeners, and they have a bunch of new arrivals from Circle Y. Uh, they have a whole bunch of new saddles. Matter of fact, there's 14 pages of new stuff from Circle Y. So, uh, Circle, y, I thought there was a lot of English saddles, you know, styles and stuff. Right. It ain't nothing to Western saddles. There's a lot of different Western saddles. There is uh, five pages of Western saddles here. And Dang. Uh, they're all different. Someday we're going to have to have somebody come on and explain the basics of Western saddles. Well, you know, I mean, there's like the roping saddle. There's the reining saddle. There's a barrel saddle. There's a trail saddle. There's, I'm sure, many other various Western sports I don't know about. But, yeah. There's a lot of different Western saddles. So if you want to head on over there right now, statelinetac.com, look for the Circle Y page. And if you're into Western, they literally have 14 pages of new products from Circle Y there, from bridles. You need another bridle because, as we learned earlier in the show, nobody has enough of those. Uh, Halters, uh, saddles, breastplates, breast collars, just on and on and on. So some of the stuff, I don't know what it is because I'm not a Western expert. I did used to own a Western saddle in the old days, but I'm not a Western expert. Jennifer had to put it on for me. (laughs) (laughs) StatelineTech.com. Let's go to our first guest. And this is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. Well, we have Elaine Blickley with us now, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that we haven't talked about in a while. Earth Day just happened a little bit ago, and I saw this article in horsesforcleanwater.com, and it was the six ways horse owners can participate in Earth Day while creating climate resilience. Elaine, what do you, what do you mean by climate resilience in, as far as well, horse people are concerned? Right. So that's just um, the ways that we can sort of prepare for climate change and how it might affect us. So uh, it's to anticipate and prepare for and, um, you know, be able to respond to any changes or trends or disturbances that are going to be uh, affecting us as horse people and in relationship to climate change. Gotcha. And and in this article, you did six ways for that horse owners can participate. And this really involves the farm, right? So you're at your farm and there's things right. you can do around the farm to help. So let's let's do those six things. They're kind of action items, actually. Uh, let's go through those. The first uh-huh. one is compost. And we used to do that at the big farm we mm-hmm. had. Uh, and then we used to take and spread it, mm-hmm. you know, on the fields. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I got to... Th- are people not composting? I just thought everybody did. Um, well, I don't think it's, uh, you know, second nature, like, uh, like a, like I would hope it would be for most people, but, um, 
I think it's getting that where that way, especially among non-horse people. But yeah, the great thing about composting is that it has benefits to us as horse people, people as well as uh, benefits to the productivity of our land and then also to the greater ecosystem around us. But composting reduces the volume of material that you have. So if you have a big manure pile, it's only going to be half that size when it's finished composting. So it's, you know, half the half the problem that you have to deal with. And then when you apply the compost to your pasture, it is going to add biological life to your soil. And uh, it's going to help those plants grow better and be healthier. And then the the cool climate change thing about it is that it holds moisture. And so it's going to keep your pastures from drying out or help them get through the droughty times. It helps retain that moisture water so that they, um, you know, don't need as quite as much moisture. And then the plants growing have an additional um, environmental climate, uh, climate change benefit in that the, Grass plants are going to sequester carbon from the atmosphere. They're going to pull it out of the atmosphere and store it in their roots. So it helps, you know, helps reduce the amount of uh, carbon dioxide that we have, um, you know, the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. And then if there's, you know, millions of horses in the United States, like I think it's over 7 million is what's estimated, you know, that that could be uh, potentially a sizable amount of pasture or grass that horse owners are managing and helping to sequester carbon out of the atmosphere. So it's totally win-win for everybody. And it's better to compost than to put it, like I know a lot of people, and when we were really stuck when the weather was bad or whatever, we would spread it directly on the field, but it, it, it has actually better benefits for the grass and for the plants when it's composted. Well, yeah, for the, and also for the horses. So when you compost it, it it's going to kill those worm eggs, parasites, pathogens, and also weed seeds. And then it changes the nitrogen in the in the manure um, to a form that's more easily utilized by the plants. If you spread it straight out onto the pasture, uh, it's going to take a long time before that nitrogen has been fixed, as we call it, um, so that the plants can utilize it. Plus, then you're just spreading worm eggs out there and, um, you know, potentially other pathogens. So it's much better to compost it first and um, kill those parasites and pathogens as well as to fix the nitrogen so that it can be utilized by the plants right away. Very good. Uh, your second one, yeah. I, I feel like, is something we've talked about quite a bit here on the show, and that's rotational grazing. And I think those of mm. us that have the space to do it, uh, try and do it, you know, for obvious reasons. One, to protect the grass more than anything, right? Uh, so they don't become all dry lots. Right. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons for rotational grazing that we've always done it, is to try and... and but that does require space to do. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. feel like... Right. I could be wrong... We just did a segment called Study Show, and I wonder if there's a study that shows this, that on average, I wonder if horse farms are getting smaller. Well, I don't, yeah, they probably are getting smaller, but there's also a lot more people, I think, that have horses on uh, smaller acreage to begin with. Right. You know, more people are getting horses in urban areas and... uh, and in the rural, you know, fringe right outside of the urban area. So, yeah, a lot of people have horses on small acreage, whereas I think traditionally they had it on, you know, ranches, had horses on larger acreage. And, yeah, rotational grazing, well, that's the the great thing about it is that it'll work for any size piece of property, even small acreage. We can divide, you know, a two-acre pasture into uh, four areas that you can rotate through. Uh, So you can divide almost any piece of pasture into something smaller. And then the reason why you want to do rotational grazing is so that you can kind of manage your horse more like a lawnmower and 
uh, not let one part get overgrazed and one part get super long. So you can kind of uh, evenly graze it. And then when it's grazed down to three to four inches, then you move them on to the next area and let that first area rest and regrow. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I know when we had our 100-acre farm, it was really easy because <laughs> we didn't have 100 acres worth of horses. Uh, but it was it was really nice to be able to do that. We, we, we were able to manage that. Even in a 20-acre farm we had, we were able to manage that pretty well. I guess, you know, it all depends on quantity of horses and all that stuff. Uh, where we're boarding now, mm-hmm. she does that pretty well. And it's a lot of horses on a small acreage, yet she does exactly what you said. She's dividing up the paddocks into smaller areas and rotate, rotating. Uh, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and water obviously plays, plays a factor in that too, but we'll get to water later. Mm-hmm. You said something, uh, and number four you had on the list was plant a native tree. Mm, yeah. The word native jumped or out at native. me there. Yeah. Yeah, native plants. So those are, um, native plants are the ones that have uh, evolved in your area and your particular region over, you know, hundreds or even thousands of years. And so that means that they've adapted to the geography and the hydrology and the, you know, specifics of the climate in your area. And they co-evolved with animals and insects and, you know, smaller life-like. Uh, fungus and uh, insects and things. And then they these plants become the foundation of the natural system in that area and are important for all that other wildlife. So if you can plant a native plant, uh, so that would be a shrub or, or even uh, flowers, different kinds of native flowers or trees, um, it's going to help help provide habitat for all those other uh, animals and insects and microbes and things in the natural world. And then you can use them to do things like provide a windscreen or mud management for wet areas or be a a biofiltration along uh, riparian areas that's along creeks or ponds or wetlands. So um, they'll be sequestering carbon as well as uh, also providing habitat and then doing those other jobs for you. So native plants, I like them because they're always working for you and you can, they're inexpensive and you can just put them to work and you don't have to care for them. You don't have to provide uh, water or um, pesticides or, or fertilizers or anything like that. They just grow. <laughs> so and you know so in Florida I have to plant palm trees is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not as familiar with all the native plants in Florida. Uh, we have a lot of native is. plants, some that are deadly and right. some that are pretty. Uh so I'll go with palm trees. Right. Um and Yeah, so I might mention that uh sources for finding out native be talking to your extension uh office or your conservation district and they can help you uh, uh, find out what plants are best for your area and that are going to be non-toxic for livestock as well as sources for native plants. Well, the last one I want to talk to you about today is water use. It's something that obviously we have to think about on farms. Um, and I have seen more farms, especially here in Florida, where we tend to get a lot of rain, um, that are collecting the rainwater off the roofs. Uh, we have seen mm-hmm. some really interesting systems. There's a farm uh, near where we board that they have an intricate system for doing that. They have a water tank and the whole thing. I mean, they really took it to a science to do that. Uh, so when you, how do you conserve water when you have to water the horses, you have to bathe the horses, you have to do all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you mentioned, cisterns are a great idea. Um, in some, in other countries like Australia, almost every facility, even small ones, have cisterns where they catch the roof runoff and then reuse it. But beyond that, you can install automatic waters for horses. Um, They conserve water because they only use as much water as the horse can drink. And then they have small um, water pans so that when you're cleaning them out, uh, you're not dumping as much water as you would be in like a 50-gallon stock tank or bigger than that. Also, they don't get stagnant because they're always circulating. So you don't have habitat for mosquitoes, which 
you know, with West Nile virus and other diseases is um, something to be careful about. And uh, then there's different ways that you can serve water with uh, landscaping and uh, and with watering pastures. So you'd want to water at nighttime or in the early morning when the evaporation rate is lower. And then uh, if you can, use drip irrigations or micro sprays or soaker hoses for landscaping. And in pastures, um, you just want to try to apply the water directly to the soil or as close as you can to the plants. You minimize evaporation. And then you want to water deeply and infrequently because if you if you water uh, shallowly, you know, just a little bit at a time, it makes the roots uh, stay shallow and not grow deep. And then if they're shallow, they're going to dry out quicker. So hopefully that makes sense. Perfect sense. All right. Where can people find out more? Where can they go to find out more of what you've written and done? Uh, Horses for Clean Water is my business, so you can just Google that and you'll get to my website and you'll find out information. I've got tons of tip sheets on all these topics that are um, really good and, and well put together with lots of visual ideas. Like, And there are tip sheets on everything from mud management to pollinator hedgerows, which are a really cool idea for horse owners, and how to build a round pen or a mounting block. Um, and I also have online classes. I teach for different natural resource agencies, and so those are always listed there. And they can contact me that way through the website as well if, if they want to do an individual consultation. Thank you, Elaine. Appreciate you joining us today. It's horsesforcleanwater.com. I'm here with the mad scientist who developed Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds. Janet Geyer, and I wanted to have a quick chat with you because Daily Dose Equine Horse Feed are non-GMO whole food nutrition based. And a lot of people go, oh, that comes from a small dedicated feed mill. I won't be able to get that when I travel. They're wrong, aren't they? They are. You can get it through Chewy anywhere in the United States. Or if you live locally in Maryland and Northern Virginia, you can get it delivered. There you go. Chewy.com. It will deliver it anywhere you want. You can also schedule delivery in advance so you can have it delivered every X number of days. And you can go in there to your account and change it every time you move horse show venues. So check it out today. DailyDoseEquine.com online or Chewy.com. So I have almost 20 acres. The barn is at the front of the property. When I clean the stalls, I put it all in the ranger and we drive to the very back of the property and I have two compost piles, one that I started and then like, I was like, okay, I'll let that sit for six months. And then I have compost pile number two and they're the very back of the property. And I'm sure that the neighbors adjacent to my property are fairly irritated (laughs) (laughs) that I did that, but you know, works yeah. for me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we right. stir them up and try to take the tractor out and, you know, move them around. And it, t- the two has kind of morphed into one at this point, but we are taking from it now. Like I planted a, a garden with the manure this year and that kind of stuff. Very good. Well, I hope there was some information there that was useful. And right now, Jamie's going to tell you a little bit about, about WinTech while I get our next, next guest on the line. All right. And we also just had a training question come in, Glenn. So I need to answer that at some point okay. uh, for one of our listeners. Uh, Windeck, looking for a saddle that's affordable, durable, and comfortable for you and your horse. It sounds like you're looking for a Windtech. Windtech saddles combine world-leading innovations in high-tech materials and lightweight, weatherproof, and easy-care saddles. That is for sure. The comprehensive Windtech range offers not only cutting-edge designs, but also reaches new standards in fit, comfort, and performance benefits for both you and your horse. They now have a high-wither all-purpose saddle, perfect for those high-withered thoroughbreds, a new wide all-purpose, and a wide dressage for those wider warm bloods. It's easy to see why Wintech is the world's number one synthetic saddle brand. With saddles for any discipline and confirmation, there's a Wintech saddle for you. Visit Wintech-saddles.com today to visit to view Wintech's full range of saddles and reach a new level of comfort for you and your horse. 
And next up is our monthly visit from Henny from HorseyHooves.com. And I heard she's back in Wales again. She's not in Transylvania anymore. So let's get Henny on. Hello. Hello, Henny. How are you? You're, uh, you're live on the air with us. Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. And All right, girl. Did I hear you've been traveling around the globe to some place that I would only ever dream of going? Were you just in Budapest? Yeah, I was a few weeks ago. I was there with my partner and my family and did all sort of uh, fun things. Okay, so the only thing I know about Budapest is that in the Avengers, they all went there and there was a big accident that happened. Any Avenger sightings while you were there? Um, unfortunately, no, though I would have loved to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Budapest like? Oh, it's very... Well, there's a mix. It's a mix of like historical, like sort of uh, history, and like modern, modern districts, modern sort of style buildings, and um, yeah, you can have a, a lot of fun in the night out, or you can you can do a lot in the day as well. There is there's just so much to do, and like it, one of the best ways to like have a look around is just to take a river cruise on the Danube, which uh, we have done. That's the river that flows across the center of the city. Okay. Now, I, when I was hearing about your travels, it, it did remind me, so like kind of like a historical end, but it sounds like there's like some kind of revamping and some kind of cool, kind of new type places. And you went to this cocktail bar and it was <laughs> interesting. So tell us about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. The best cocktail bar I've ever been to in my life. Uh, it's called Warm Up Bar. Um and basically, you just walk in there and there is no menu. You just have to chat with the waiter about like the flavors you would like in the drink or like you can just say, I want to taste, I don't know, cherry and chocolate, like surprise me. And they will they have literally every alcohol imaginable and they come up with these amazing like personalized drinks. It's just it blows your mind. So like they're apothecaries, basically. They're <laughs> creating <laughs> things. OK, uh, now there's no menu and you have to talk to the bartender about what type of drink you want how long does it take to get a drink in that place um not long literally you can always like go with the classic like you know mojito cosmopolitan they they can make all of that but uh you, you know it's one word is enough and they will they will just put it together but you know um if you start talking to them they will sort of like guide you towards like oh do you know this flavor would uh do you think this flavor would go well with that and like they sort of you know they have these you know ideas already in their minds that they guide you towards but it's still like personalized so it's very cool as a transylvanian what is your potential? What is your what is your drink of choice? Like, what did you describe? <laughs> Say I'm the waiter. I'm like, Henny, what can I get for you today? Yeah, um... Well, I would probably say uh, fruity flavors with some cream, you know, sort of like um, uh, a pina colada sort of thing, but not quite that. You know, I, I want like a, a, a twist on it. So it's not, you know, not something that I already know. Uh, but I do like a lot of fruity flavors and I like to taste the alcohol as well. So, um, yeah. You and I could drink together. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just thinking that. Like, y'all need to go to that bar. I'm a fruity guy, too. So I'm with you. We can go. We can go drink <laughs> <Yeah>. together. <laughs> Save that clip. I'm a fruity guy right there and let's make that my ringtone uh that's awesome well now an article that you wrote which is four horse personality types and traits explained go into that for us yeah so um you know, the horse personalities is, uh, you know, very interesting to, to most horse people. They want to know, you know, if, if their horse fits into like any categories. And basically, uh, there's this uh, uh, dressage rider from the United States. Uh, she competes in like Grand Prix level. And she wrote this book uh, called the Dressage Horse Manifesto. And she basically uh, managed to put all horses into like four personality types, which is uh, social, fearful, aloof and challenging so um you know we, we, there's a good chance that your horse will fit into at least one or two or even you know maybe three of these uh categories that to some extent okay gotcha so let's let's go through those again a little slower because you went too fast okay <laughs> so we've got social and yeah. what does that entail 
Uh, well, a social horse, they you know like to draw attention to themselves. They love interacting with their uh, with people and horses in their environment, and you know they just they generally uh, they're very curious and responsive to training and you know easy to train. But you know they can also uh, go a bit far in terms of like trusting someone too much. So they you know they often get like neglected or they tolerate neglect a bit more than other personality types. But uh, yeah, they they are really great and fun horse to have around, basically. Yeah. Okay, then we've got the fearful horse, and I have had the experience with this, and some of these horses are, yes, born fearful, but a lot of these horses are made to be Mm. fearful, so tell us about that. Yeah, so um, it can come from past experiences, but a lot of horses just like, you know, they're born more wary of certain things, like they're more flighty or like overreactive, uh, you would call them, and um yeah, like uh, the Arabian, for example, that a lot of Arabian horses tend to be like this. So some, uh, somehow this personality is associated with like a concave profile, sort of like, you know, when they have a dip in their like head sort of thing. Um, ah, like yeah, so somehow that's, yeah, yeah, that's the one. So that trait is somehow linked to this personality. But, you know, with trust and patience and, you know, a, a lot of time they can also become trusting and really loyal partners so So, so there is a woman who bred um half arabian warm blood crosses and Mm -hmm. she told me that the reason arabians are like that is because when they were in the desert and they're in their tents and all that and they go out in the desert and leave for the day their job when they come back they detect the reason they're spooky is because they can tell you if something is different like if mm-hmm. something has been moved to something different, if there's people hiding in their tent, you know, like they, their whole caravan has been taken yeah. over, you know, they, they, she would tell me the horses are bred to know if yeah. things have changed and wrong. And I was like, I know, but yes, I did not change. I just moved the jump up three inches. Like it just didn't <laughs> freak out about it. So like, I, I think, is it potentially just bred into them to have that or is she crazy? Oh, no, no, that sounds very interesting. Like, I know Arabians were originally bred to use for for raiding and war, so they have to be these fiery, but also have to be intelligent. And uh, yeah, I I can totally see that. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Okay, so the next horse you guys listed is challenging. I don't know anything about those. Yeah, well, (laughs) um, so they are usually the ones you see, like, bully other horses around the field. So they are the top of the the hierarchy. And they also challenge humans to, like, in in a similar way, they sort of, they will test you, you know, see if if they can... um, they can sort of take control and, you know, you need to be confident and sort of firm and give them like, uh, you know, clear instructions that they, they can't get out of. Um, so, yeah, they they are not for beginner riders, but, uh, you know, they can also, you know, they, they are ideal for like someone who's more ambitious because they can also be like, you know, great, great partners in the long run. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, you know, we've got sensitive. There's kind of subcategories of all of these as well. Let's end with the easygoing horse. (laughs) How do we get more of those? Yeah. Um, like you can find these horses in uh, like smaller breeds, like you know there is the Hufflinger, the Norwegian Fjord. They are like the typical beginner uh, horses that are, you know, they're um, they're very like sort of predictable and you know easygoing in in every way. They're bomb proof. They you know they will they will tolerate more inexperienced hands basically. And uh, yeah, you can you can pretty much tell uh, if a horse is easygoing what upon like the first encounter. Uh, but you know, on the on the downside, they also tend to be you know less reactive and a bit slower. But you know that's what makes that's what makes them great uh, with kids and beginners. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, so is- so I just looked up Hackney Hackney Pony. I have this Hackney Pony named Scooter, and I put <laughs> Hackney Pony personality in Google. You want to hear what it says? Oh Lord, <laughs> the Hackney Pony is no shrinking violet. He's spirited, energetic, smart, and perhaps somewhat high strung. However, they're lovable and endearing as well. That pretty much describes Scooter. That was pretty on right on, I think. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, honey, <laughs> thank you for joining. Where can people go and find out more about your writings? Because I also saw the article you wrote about uh, eight signs a horse likes you. Or yeah. zodiac signs of the horse. <laughs> yeah, we, we do all sorts. It's uh, it's on the website horseyhooves.com, and basically when you go on it, they will show you the the most recent articles. But you know, you can just Google you know anything you want, and they will uh, it will give it 
uh, like the mo- the related articles to you, so you can you can find pretty much anything. H o r s e y hoves dot com. Thank you, Henny. We cannot wait to talk to you again. Uh, thank you very much. It I'll was be fun. over for our drink tonight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Henny. We'll be waiting. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. My drink would be like, give me like something really sour that that has not sweet at all that probably has vodka. Why that's, don't we have bars like sink. this? Because Americans would be pissed they got something they didn't like. That's why we well, don't have bars like this. There's a, yeah, exactly. We complain. <laughs> so there's a bar here in Norman that kind of has the same thing, but you spin a wheel. And you spin oh, really? a wheel for flavor, and then you spin a wheel for the liquor, and you spin a wheel. And so they, they just they, – and it's a discounted drink. So where the drinks might be $12, these are 10 You know, and basically you – like uh, you'll get like a rosemary vodka tonic you know, or something like that. Sounds awful. Yeah, I was – I did it once. It was fairly disgusting. I'm not going to lie. I got really lucky. All right. You want to do a training question before we end? Sure. Just real quick. I got uh, on Facebook, Cade, one of our auditors posted, of course, I've got to find it because I scrolled right past it here. Okay. I need help. Arto, our previously abused stack padded Tennessee walking horse has started bolting as soon as you unclip his halter. This is in every scenario, putting him in the stall. As soon as I unclip clip him, I reach to take it off and he bolts like tear down the cinder block barn to the back of the stall. I'm actually scared to turn him out because he's dangerous to release. We use a dually halter. He's had his teeth done. He started doing this about three weeks ago. Nothing has changed. He used to do it when they first got him, but we worked through it. Now it's back. Even he's walked him into the herd and tried to turn him out and remove his halter subtly, but he still bolts through the herd. He's had Cairo, all the things. Okay. Let me, let's, let's start here. This is something that you're going to have to do homework for, and it's not going to take one time. It's probably going to take 10 times of this session. Okay. Now you have that dually halter and you're going to clip a long line, like the Monty Roberts sells the black lines or the blue lines. They're great to do this. You don't want to use a short lead rope. So you want to walk out to the pasture with the, the, the line on the ring of the dually halter. You walk them out. You know, you always turn the horse around before you release them because you don't want them to run off and kick. And it sounds like this could be a situation where you're in the kick zone. So you walk out and he's, you, you I don't know if he bolts when you just get out there or when you go to start to touch it. If it's when you start to touch it, reach your hand up to the clip and just touch it. Don't grab it. Just touch the clip and he's going to bolt and you're going to let him bolt about eight feet. And then you're going to hold on that dually on that line and he's going to bolt away, bam, and hit that dually halter and go, oh, crap. And then you're going to walk back out of the pasture. And then you're going to walk back in the pasture and you're going to do the same thing. And he's going to bolt. Bam. And he's going to hit that dually and he's going to go, that sucked. And then you're going to walk him back out and you're going to repeat that until he's not bolting when you go to reach up and touch it. And then you're going to reach up and touch it and wiggle it around with the clip and everything. And he's going to bolt again and you're going to hold on that line. Let him bolt till he goes about eight feet and hold that line. Bam, hits the dually halter again. So basically, you want to take the value out of the behavior that he's doing. And so by him running off, he's choosing to cause himself to be uncomfortable. So let him run and then walk him back out, walk him back in, hand up to the halter, hand away, hand up to the halter, hand away, hand up to the halter, hand away, wiggle the clip, mess with the, 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 because you're not going to unclip the dually halter and turn them on the dually halter. So you're going to have to do this until you can put a regular halter on them. I don't know if you take the halter off in the pasture or not just, but you just mess with it enough and repeat until the behavior, there's no value in it. You got to be brave and you got to be prepared and make sure that the line isn't wrapped around your hand or got your leg around it or you're stepping on it or something. Be real safe, you know, have it coiled up and let him out. I think I I try to let people know, like, you want them to make a mistake because if they're perfect, nobody learns anything from being perfect. You learn things by making mistakes. So let them screw up. Uh, and it may take a ton of time to take him out. And then the, tomorrow, when you go to turn him out, do the same thing. It's just going to take less time. And then the next day, the same thing. And if you're going to go put him in the stall, same situation. Walk into the stall, turn him around, act like you're going to undo it. He's going to bolt, hit the halter, bam, 
take it back out of the stall. Wherever he does this behavior, you're going to take the value out of it by making it uncomfortable. He gets to make the decision to go. And then he hits the line. It's like when I teach people to teach their horse to stand still, let them make the mistake of walking forward three steps and then back him up six. So call, make their decision uncomfortable. So that is what I would do. Please, Kate, let me know how that goes. And if you want to make any videos, if I'm off way off the mark here, let me know. But uh, that it would be what I would do. Very good. Thank you, Jamie. Well, that's it for today. Tomorrow we're dark, and then we have a special guest host. Uh, Mandy from the Leadline po- uh, Podcast is going to join me on Friday because Jamie is traveling. So uh, we will be here. I am, and, and we've had a lot of uh, questions about the fact that we haven't done really bad ads in a while, and uh, they're they're not going away. They just yeah, didn't fit into the schedule. We're concerned that we're stopping doing it. Yeah. We're not stopping doing it. It's just been the, a couple of weeks that just didn't we didn't have them. So. so so since I'm not going to be on tomorrow, should I record a couple and send them to you? No, we're going to make uh, we're going to make Mandy do it. So oh good, yeah, we're okay, gonna, perfect. We're going to make Mandy. Oh, we're doing really bad ads on Friday. Uh, you know, everybody has to go through that torture once. So we'll make her do it with her Southern accent. She's from like New York. So that'll be All right. And also Lorene, Allison, Starbright, Scott, Charlotte, Sarah, Debbie, Nicole, and Julie. I am going to do one or two weird news stories in the post show. But for the most part, all your stories are going to go to next week. Very good. Thank you, everybody. Your quote of the day is, people on horses look better than they are. People in cars look worse than they are. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. That's your quote of the day. It's Bay New York Gallows, everybody.